And I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast. And we have moved our broadcast over to Spreaker. And that's spelled S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. But you can always find it if you Google or whatever search engine you use. Prophetic News Radio. So, we will be leaving Blog Talk Radio by October 1st. So, I won't be broadcasting on Blog Talk Radio. And we'll be still on iTunes and all the other podcasting venues that they have. They have so many of them that they link to Spotify and Amazon and different broadcasters that you could pick up when you send out your RSS feed. So I'm trying to wrap it up, but it's it's very difficult. They 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 give you support on Blog Talk Radio. It's supposed to be premium support. Well, in the good old days when I first was on Blog Talk Radio, the guy that ran it, I think his name was John Sweet. But anyway, you could actually talk to him on the phone. (laughs) If you had a problem with something, he would talk to you. So you could get your problem solved I've been going back and forth with these people trying to make the transfer and then you have to make the transfer to iTunes and you have to know what you're doing because you could mess it up. So, of course, you can't talk to anybody anymore. You have to go through email. And so they have these people that are working on support that you can ask them a direct question. So you expect that when you ask a direct question that they will give you a direct answer. What do they do? They send you an FAQ. (laughs) And it doesn't have anything to do with your question. So I don't know how many emails I have sent out to these people back and forth, back and forth. Oh, dear, I'm telling you. you. You can't believe it. You can't believe it. So it's like forget premium support. And uh, they don't have very good support at this speaker. So we'll see how long this lasts. But whatever. it. You can always find me, like I said, if you go to uh, Prophetic News Radio 
and you go to Spreaker or we're on iTunes and uh, Spotify, different outlets. So you'll always be able to find the program. But you would think, you would think, and it, it really amazes me because in this day and age that we're living in, we have so many forms of communication that we can communicate with people. But you can't communicate. <laughs> the best way to communicate is if you can talk to someone on the phone. Well, forget it. Uh, I have to hand it to Amazon because when you put a book on Amazon, and, and by the way, we do have two books on Amazon. We have uh, Paula White, President Trump's pastor, oh dear, and... Seed faith can a man bribe God. But at least Amazon, you can talk to somebody. They will talk to you on the phone if you have a problem with your book or you need help setting up your Kindle or your print version or whatever. So, Which is very helpful. But when you can't talk to somebody and you're dealing with support people that they're just reading a script and they look for answers to questions and so then they're going to send you an answer and it might not be relevant to what <laughs> to what you're asking oh dear anyway i wish i could set up have my own station or something where I wouldn't have to go through all this because it's a lot it's it takes up so much of your time and it's frustrating that you can't get when you go to do something that you can't finish what you're doing because you're waiting on somebody to, <laughs> to answer your question oh dear but it'll get sorted out and uh, Blog Talk Radio made some changes. And uh, they didn't have very good... Their studio and that kind of thing wasn't very good. And, and one of my partners, someone generously, gave me a uh, Rodecaster Pro and a new microphone. So we're trying to work out all the sound things. It does have a little mixing board on it, and I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to learn how to mix everything so uh, I can make the sound better. And uh, so we hoped, I hope to make those improvements. But it's, it's a very nice uh, piece of equipment. And you can do a little bit more than uh, what you could do with your blog talk radio studio. So I'm very thankful for that. And I think that the, the sound has improved overall as far as uh, there's a good microphone. Before I had a condenser microphone that you plug into your computer, which was okay. But this is a dynamic microphone, and, and anybody out there that's thinking about going into having a podcast or a 
YouTube channel or whatever. These dynamic microphones are give you a better sound than uh, a condenser mic does, which you don't, it's not horrible, but it's much better than the phone. That's how I first started out. <laughs> when I first started out, I had, we used to use the telephone and that's how we would broadcast is over the phone. So you live and learn. And I'm, I'm learning too because I, I'm learning how to use this mixer and then I've been learning how to make better videos on uh, YouTube with some of the programs that I have, which I, I would love to be able to take a class if you could get somebody to teach you remotely some techniques about filmmaking and documentary making where you could really make something that's more presentable and more professional. But if you ever look because you think, oh, yeah, I'd love to make documentaries, which I would, would love to do that, for television, for, uh, for the masses. And, but you have, it has to be good. And if you ever look at the credits, after you look at a documentary that's really well done, like the people that did the uh, documentary on Hillsong, they did a pretty good job on the presentation. Uh, but if you look at the credits after, I thought, yikes, there was probably 100 or more people that worked on the documentary. And uh, the people that do all the research, they did a lot of research uh, for it. And uh, you have to get clips and you have to get sound bites and then you have to get people to testify. They did a good job. And the uh, people from HBO Max that did the documentary on Gwen Shamblin from way down and the remnant fellowship they did a really good job too with their presentation it, it was top notch so you live and learn and I, I think you can do much better when you present something on video although although uh broadcasting is great too it's very popular when you look at somebody like Joe Rogan, which I'm not promoting Joe Rogan, I, I, he, he was involved in Satanism at one time. I don't know if he still is. But anyway, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that in the future. But uh, he's got millions of listeners. So this podcasting internet, radio, whatever you want to call it. It's very popular. And yet video or something that you could get on television because YouTube, YouTube, forget it. They want to censor you. They want to tell you what to say. And then not only that, they are now monetizing your channels which means that they're playing commercials. They're playing commercials on my channels, and I don't monetize my channel. So I don't, when you monetize your channel, 
you can make money from commercials. But I don't do that because I don't want to play commercials on my channel. But YouTube is now playing commercials without your permission. And you don't ha you can't say anything about it. If you want to be on there, they have the right to uh, make money off of your channel, even though they won't let you make money off of your channel. At one time on YouTube, I had monetized my channel and I think I got a copyright claim or something, which was bogus. It wasn't true. But then they told me I couldn't monetize anymore. So I said, well, I don't care. I don't really care about monetizing anyway. I'd rather have commercial-free videos. So then what do they do? They monetize my channel. <laughs> it's okay for them to monetize my channel, right? But I can't do it. Oh, anyway. If I didn't, the fact that we can't, we still still reach people by the hundreds. We used to have a larger audience, and then I, they shadow ban you. I'm convinced they shadow ban you because you go from getting thousands of hits on your YouTube channel to getting hundreds. That doesn't make any sense. When you have good quality information that people want, and you see some of these videos where they get millions, 5 million hits, 10 million hits, and it's, it's a ridiculous video. Think to yourself, how, how, how is this happening? But they do that. They have some kind of, I don't understand how algorithms work, but they have some kind of way where they can make your channel not so visible and it's just the devil really it's just the devil i think we have some good information that needs to be out there so i was thinking to myself the other day i'm, I'm reading this youtube channel i'm reading this in uh website and on Twitter, and and it's all over the place with Jonathan Cain. Jonathan Cain, and that's Paula White's husband. Jonathan Cain, the singer. Uh, well, no, he can't sing. Forget it. No, he's not a singer. He sings, but he can't sing. And uh, he plays the keyboard for Journey. He has for 30 years or 40 years, something like that. So they have this thing called I am second. I am second. And so they, they have testimony. So they put Jonathan Cain, his testimony of how he wrote these songs for Journey and he believes God gave him these songs. Well, first of all, you have to know God for God to give you songs. And he doesn't know God, no. He doesn't know God. He in 2015, he got a, got up in his wife's pulpit on a Sunday morning and told the ladies of the church to watch pornography. And you can find that video on YouTube. You can put Paula White 
porn and it you'll come up for those of you that never heard about this yeah he, and Paula giggled she thought it was hysterical so how do you say that you know God and God gave you songs when you're telling people to watch porn in a church pulpit? Now, that should have disqualified her right there from ever having anything to do with being a pastor to a president or a spiritual advisor or even a pastor of a church. Or And she's still on television, so-called Christian television. Wouldn't that disqualify somebody? If somebody actually got up in their pulpit on Sunday and told people to watch porn, that one baffles me. I am i can't figure out why she's still out there, why anybody pays any mind to this woman and her husband. And I'm thinking to myself, why is this guy, why are they making this movie about this guy, Jonathan Cain, about him and God and... And then he, he goes to Korea with his wife and uh, he's sitting there with, and listening to Mrs. Moon, the cult leader, and his wife is getting paid by Mrs. Moon and, and uh, this guy in the pulpit, another thing he said was that sex is a form of worship. Yeah, yes, yes, he said that, yeah. That if you want to see it, I've got it on video there on YouTube. Yeah, Jonathan Cain says sex is a form of worship. So I'm thinking to myself, who are these people? I am second. I am second. And they've got, they take in $12 million a year. $12 million. So I looked up their uh, 990. Twelve million. Who is sending these people twelve million dollars? And they have this Jonathan Cain on there talking about God when he doesn't know God. So Lord, I don't understand this. So I'm emailing and I'm writing to people. I nobody answers. They don't answer you. They don't say, "Well, thank you for letting us know," or "Gee, we're sorry," or. No, you, they never answer. They never answer you. So anyway, the scripture came to mind. The Lord reminded me. <laughs> the Lord reminded me of this scripture. And I'm so glad he did because... I was fretting. I was fretting because of evildoers. And so what did the Lord say? He said, fret not. Thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. 
Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, and to smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Amen. <laughs> so that was a good word for me. Fret not, because... If people don't care about what Paula White is doing and they don't care about what Jonathan Kane is doing and they don't care about what Benny Hinn is doing and they don't care about what Creflo Dollar is doing and they don't care about what David E. Taylor is doing, God cares. He cares. And he sees what they're doing. So we can warn people, but fret not. <laughs> Fret not because of evildoers, because God knows. God knows. So that was such a good word. So the other day, I'm driving down the road. I'm stopped at the entrance to my development. And when you're stopped there, you turn right to get onto this two-lane highway. Well, it's a four-lane highway, but it's two lanes on this, the side where you're turning right. So I'm stopped there, and there's a couple cars in back of me. So I started to go out, and there was a car barreling down the road because the speed limit's 60, so you, they're going 60. They're going 65 or 70. I said, I better wait because I don't want to get killed here. So when I wait, when I stopped and I put my brake lights on, of course, and I'm sitting there, all of a sudden the lady in back of me rams into me. So I wasn't going to get out, but it was a pretty good jolt. It did jolt me forward a little bit. And uh, I did get a little bit of whiplash, but so... 
I said, I better get out of the car because maybe she dented my trunk or something. I need to look anyway. So I get out and she says, oh, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay, but why weren't you paying attention? Oh, well, I, I thought you were going and anyway, I didn't really see any damage on my car, but I said to her, I said, well, why don't you just give me your tag number? And she wouldn't give it to me, so <laughs> so I had to go around back. I went around back of her car, and I wrote it down. Because here, if if it's not a real serious accident, even if the police come out, they don't file a report unless it's really serious. So then uh, she takes her camera out, her phone, and she's taking pictures of the back of my car and whatever. So I decide, well, I'm just going to get in the car and that's it. Then I thought to myself, well, I better take a picture of her car just in case if there's something that I missed that I didn't see. So I got my phone out and I took a picture of her car. It was in back of mine. So and she says to me, Oh, you're taking my picture. I wasn't taking her picture. I was taking a picture of her car because she just ran into me. So, <laughs> so anyway, then I got into my car. I decided, well, that's it. I'm, I'm finished. I'm going to leave. So in, all of a sudden, the lady's standing in front of my car, and she's snapping pictures of me, snapping pictures of me. Then she comes around to the driver's side, or to the passenger side, and she starts snapping pictures, snapping pictures, and she's she's got this, like, hideous laugh. <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> what is going on here? So I told her, I said, look, could you please leave me alone because I'm, uh, I'm going to call the sheriff. Just leave me alone. You hit me. She says, I didn't hit you. Oh, I said, Lord, you know, this is a crazy world. This is, this world is crazy. This, this lady was probably about 45 years old. And a normal person would say, gee, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I, I ran into you. And if there's anything I could do, let me know. Instead of acting like a nut. But I said, that's the condition of the world today. The world's full of wicked people that don't ha they don't have any conception of right and wrong. And even if they're wrong, they're going to blame you. Like, you did something. You did something wrong. But it... It was unbelievable, but usually when I get in the car, I, I always pray that God would protect me. And uh, it could have been worse. I'm sure it could have been worse, but you have to have eyes in back of your head, and, and uh, you never think that you're stopped somewhere and somebody's going to bang into you, you know? 
God help us. And then we had this event yesterday in England where Queen Elizabeth II passed away. They're still not saying what she passed away from, which I find odd. They may never say, really. Of course, we know that she had COVID, coronavirus, in February. And uh, being her age, 96, and to get coronavirus, I think she had uh, long-haul COVID or the symptoms because she started having mobility issues, which some people get mobility issues when they have COVID or long-haul COVID or the after effects. You never know what kind of after effects you're going to have from it. Some people get brain fog. Some people I know have mobility issues or they still have trouble breathing after. So I don't think she ever fully recovered from that because she was in pretty good shape for her age, really. And uh, then she appeared Tuesday with this Elizabeth Truss, the new prime minister, which I I don't know, she came out of the woodwork, this lady, because I never heard of her. But uh, I've been to the United Kingdom many times, over 30 times in the 1990s. I haven't been there since 1997. In fact, I was there when Diana died and uh, they were having her funeral. I didn't go uh, down to the uh, funeral, only when I went a couple days before to look at the flowers and that kind of thing that they were laying in front of the palaces. But anyway, uh, she was, the queen was there Tuesday. She looked very frail and uh, her cl- very thin. Her clothes were just hanging off of her. And, uh, but anyway, she greeted the new prime minister, this Elizabeth Truss. And then two days later, she's dead. And they're not saying how she died or what she died from. We may never know what happened. She, she did have mo- mobility issues. Uh, maybe she had a fall. She could have had breathing issues. And I guarantee you, there was no way they were putting her on a ventilator. No way. So now we have King Charles and Gorilla. I call her Gorilla. <laughs> and and uh, I find it ironic, though, that uh, Charles made sure that before his mother died, that he it would be okay for him to call her the queen consort. Well, I wonder how long that's going to last what, before they take the consort out and she'll be Queen Camilla. <laughs> I can't, I can't help but uh, remember poor Diana when. Charles uh, married her. He was still fooling around with a gorilla over there. And 
Diana was like the lamb led to the slaughter because she says, remember when uh, they got engaged and the reporter said, oh, and in love. And she says, of course. And Charles says, whatever in love means. Well, <laughs> that was a sign you better, you better head for the hills, honey. <laughs> when they say that, whatever in love means. Yeah. So, and then he, he, he hooks Diana up with Camilla like she's going to teach Diana the ropes or whatever. It wasn't very nice what they did to Diana. It wasn't very nice at all. And then he was fooling around with this woman while he was married. And I, I, I was going to play some of those clips of his speech today because I thought it's a little hypocritical, really, because he's talking about his Christian faith or something where, of course, he becomes the head of the Church of England, which was started by the notorious Henry VIII. What kind of a church is that? And uh, after he murdered a couple of his wives, he Henry, you didn't want to be married to Henry because if you if you wronged Henry, he'd had your head chopped off. And I think he did that to two of his wives, Anne Boleyn, number one, and I can't remember the other one that had her head chopped off by by their dearly beloved husband. Yeah, he got married five or six times. He, he, women still married him after he was chopping their head, the other wives' heads off. <laughs> you know, figure that one out. But, and uh, so he, uh, Charles said that he, he wants everyone to accept his darling wife. Well, I, I don't know how darling somebody could be fooling around with somebody else's husband. That's not very darling. Anyway, we'll see what happens there. It should be interesting to see what happens in this Liz Trust. Now, this Liz Trust, she's an interesting character. Let's, let's play one of her audios here. As extremists work to take away the freedom of women to make decisions about their... Oh, that's not Liz Trust. That's Kamala Harris. And we'll play that, too. But let me play. Here's Liz Trust. The next speaker is Elizabeth Truss from Oxford West and Abingdon and president of the Oxford University Liberal Democrats. And would Norman Baker stand by, please, Elizabeth? Everybody in Britain should have the chance to be a somebody. But only one family can provide the head of state. We Liberal Democrats believe in opportunity for all. We believe in fairness and common sense. We believe in referenda on major constitutional issues. We do not that pe believe that people should be born to rule. Or that they should put up and shut up about decisions that affect their everyday lives. Do you, conference, believe that? Do you? I was being interviewed by Newsnight earlier this afternoon. <laughs> and we were filmed asking members of the public what they thought about the monarchy. We came across a group of three people. 
I'd say they were around 50, 60, looked fairly middle class, rather smart, in fact, rather reactionary, to be perfectly frank. <laughs> we asked them their opinion of the monarchy. Do you know what they said? They said, abolish them. We've had enough. <laughs> but believe it or not, conference, they didn't say this once. We met another group of people and another group of people and all three groups of people said, abolish the monarchy. In fact, conference, we couldn't find a single monarchist outside the royal pavilion. How ironic. I believe that the disillusioned of Brighton should have a chance to vote on this issue because I believe, like most Liberal Democrats, in democracy. Democracy with a capital D. Thank you, conference. Vote against Amendment 1 and vote for the motion. Uh, that's Liz Trust, the new Prime Minister of the UK, when she was a college student in her 20s, talking about abolishing the monarchy. <laughs> that's the new Prime Minister. I'm not sure she feels that way now, of course, but it's like, who is this lady? Here's another quote from Liz Truss. I'm not against any of them personally. I'm against the idea that people, people can be born to rule, that people, because of the family they're born into, should be able to be the head of state of our country. I think that's disgraceful. Yeah, yeah, I wonder how Charles feels about that. <laughs> well, she was young and impressionable. And look where she wound up. Look where she wound up, this Liz Truss. Who is this woman, Liz Truss? Meet Liz Truss, the Foreign Secretary of Britain, and the front-runner for the Prime Minister's post. She's right behind Rishi Sunak in the race to tame Downing Street. In the fifth and final ballot on a Wednesday, Sunak bagged 137 votes. Truss secured 113. The five candidates who want to lead the Conservative Party and become Britain's next Prime Minister. Both are now officially the top two contenders. Over the next six weeks, they will battle it out in debates and rallies to claim Britain's top office. I'm Liz Truss. I want to unleash Britain's potential. If Truss wins, she would be the third woman Prime Minister of Britain, after Margaret Thatcher and Theresa May. So what are her chances? And what exactly is her story? Liz Truss was born in 1975 to Labour-supporting parents. She is the eldest of four children with three younger brothers. As a child, she was competitive with a penchant for public speaking. Do you, conference, believe that? Do you? She went to Oxford like many British politicians and remained a Liberal Democrat throughout university. But after graduation, she switched allegiance to the Conservative Party. What led to this shift? A visit to Eastern Europe in the 1990s, where she learned about the achievements of Margaret Thatcher, a leader she's often compared with. After university, Truss did odd jobs as an accountant and then decided to enter politics. After four failed attempts, 
she was finally elected as an MP in 2010. Two years later, she joined the David Cameron government as Education Minister. In the Theresa May government, she became the Secretary of State for Justice, the first woman ever to serve the post during her tenure. She became infamous for her flip-flop on Brexit. Initially, she supported the idea of remaining in the EU, but later switched sides and became a firm Brexiteer. Post-Brexit, she was named Foreign Secretary in the Boris Johnson government. The second woman to ever assume the role, and a position she holds to this day. Liz Truss's political credentials are incredible. Her personal life is equally striking. In 2006, it was found that Truss had an affair with Tory MP Mark Field. The minister's marriage broke down, but hers survived. In 2014, one of her speeches went viral, and not for the best of reasons. She was mocked for giving a bizarrely impassioned statement about cheese. We import two-thirds of our cheese. That is a disgrace. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Oh, that's the new prime minister. <laughs> oh. oh, we'll see. We'll see. She must have a good publicist because they're putting out this comparison to Margaret Thatcher. They want you to think of her. No, she's no Margaret Thatcher. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, and anyway, she wasn't voted in by the people either. No, she was. It wasn't an election. No, Boris Johnson, the other guy that was supposed to be doing all these great things for Britain, he didn't turn out so good. And, and uh, he, his wife, was wearing dresses. Now, he's the prime minister of England, right? Boris Johnson and his wife. Do you think that he could buy his wife a dress? Do you think that he could afford to buy his wife a dress? Yeah, I think Prime Minister of England, I think you can afford to buy your wife a dress. Well, what does she do, his wife? She rents dresses. And who does she rent dresses from? The vampire's wife. Yes, you heard me right. The vampire's wife. Yeah. So there was something... A little strange about those people. <laughs> Renting someone's dress. Now, no, I'm sorry, but I'm not wearing anybody else's dress. No. <laughs> I'm not renting anybody's dress. And uh, no, I like to buy my own dress. Not only was the... Prime Minister's wife wearing dresses from the vampire's wife. So was, I think it was uh, Princess Eugenie, uh, Andrew and Fergie's daughter. She was getting dresses from the vampire's wife. It's the name of a clothing outlet. Yeah. That's a little strange. I definitely would not be renting dresses from the vampire's wife. 
But it should get interesting. We'll see what happens over there. As a, and uh, poor Charles, he's out there today, or King Charles, as they call him now. He's out there today shaking hands with everyone. And these silly women, one lady is kissing his hand, and this other lady says, can I give you a kiss? And then, she, what's he going to say? No, well, he should have said no, because I definitely wouldn't want somebody kissing me with, uh, there's still coronavirus out there and whatever else they're, they've got out there, which you don't know. Uh, Monkeypox, there's a new polio outbreak, a bad one in New York, hundreds of cases. I, and I think they're even saying thousands of cases. They're finding polio in the water in Nassau County. So uh, he's probably not going to do too many walkabouts, but it's it's got to be pretty heady to uh, realize that you're now a king and all these palaces and all and all these jewels that his mother had. Now, uh, Gorilla Camilla will be wearing all those crowns. but fret not yourself (laughs) because of evildoers. Now here's uh, something interesting. Kamala Harris, the vice president, was applauded at the National Baptist Convention for denouncing extremists seeking to outlaw abortion. Now, believe it or not, this really happened. As extremists work to take away the freedom of women to make decisions about their own bodies, faith leaders are taking a stand, knowing one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held religious beliefs to agree that a woman should have the ability to make decisions about her own body and not have her government tell her what to do. And she will choose in consultation with her pastor or her priest or her doctor and her loved ones. But the government should not be making that decision. In this moment, let us heed the words of 1 Corinthians. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and do everything in love. Do everything in love? Kill your baby? That's love? Anyway, consult your priest or your pastor. What about God? I think you left him out of the equation. Did you ever think you were going to hear anything so ridiculous as that? What is this woman doing at the National Baptist Convention? Telling people it's okay to get an abortion. And then quoting scripture. Do everything in love. Do everything in love. I don't know. First of all, if people taught morality, no sex before marriage, then you don't have to worry about getting pregnant. And then 
if you are married, there's all kinds of forms of birth control you could use other than killing your child. That should be the thing that people are promoting. This is outrageous. But that's how it is in the days that we're living in. Anybody could quote a scripture, and they do. And try to make it like it's Christian. Well, that's not Christian. That has nothing to do with Christianity at all. And then we have Ted Haggard. Now, for some of you that don't know about Ted Haggard, he was a pastor in, in Colorado, Colorado Springs. He had a large church, thousands of people. And I never met him. I lived in Colorado for a while. That's where I got saved. And a friend of mine knew him, and so he gave me his phone number one time. And this is when I was traveling and doing meetings, and he said, why don't you give Ted a call and see if uh, he would like to have you come and minister at the church. So I said, okay, well, I didn't really like doing that, but he said, oh, he's a good friend of mine. Tell him I sent you. So, <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll do it. So I called, and I got him on the phone, and he says to me, you mean you make your own phone calls? <laughs> I was like, I guess if I'm calling somebody that, that somebody tells me is friendly and a nice person, I'm calling to say hello. Uh, do I have to have my secretary call my friends? Or I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I don't know. I think this guy's got a pride problem. There's something wrong with this guy. Anyway, that was my introduction to him. And needless to say, I didn't want anything to do with him after that. I thought he was really puffed up, and uh, I I didn't like those kind of ministries where you couldn't talk to somebody or you you had to have your secretary make a phone call or your personal assistant that God forbid you should pick up the phone and say hello to somebody that was beneath you. So anyway. He got caught in this big scandal later where it turned out that he was having these homosexual relationships. And so he wound up losing everything. They asked him to leave the church. And here's some of the reports. And so I, I kept trying to deal with it in within when, spiritual circles, so and that you, didn't work When out. you said you uh, spoke to one of the spiritual leaders, you said what? I'm having these... I told him I was having uh, homosexual temptations and, mm -hmm. and thoughts like that, and I needed to process through it. What should I do? And, and, you think, and do you think you're gay? 
No, I don't think I'm gay. I did wonder about that. After this crisis, when I went to therapy, I said, I need to know, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I bi? What am I? And my first therapist said, you are a heterosexual with homosexual attachments. So we processed through that. I wasn't sure what that meant. Then we went through an... Nor am I. (laughs) Nor is the audience. (laughs) Certainly nor are the gay people watching right now. Yeah, and it is. I, I do believe I don't fit into the normal boxes. I do think there are complexities. Mm -hmm. associated with some people's sexuality. I don't know about others. I I would agree with you. But but it it just wasn't as simple as I wanted it to be because because I was so deeply in love with my wife, M, so deeply in love with my wife. Our intimate relationship is is wonderful and very satisfying. But I had this other thing going on inside of me, too. And how long had that been going on? How long had you been fighting those urges? I think all of my adult life. You say on the HBO documentary that seventh grade you had a same-sex relationship. Well, or... it, it, that's exactly right. It, it was it was seventh grade boys playing around. Okay. It wasn't serious. It was playing around. Mm-hmm. In the second grade, one of my dad's employees had sex with me, but it wasn't like abusive or violent or anything like that. So that's some of the story, but here's more of the story. And, um, but now through this counseling process that I've been through, I'm very secure in who I am and my relationship with my wife. Actually, my wife and I always had a wonderful relationship, which confused me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and now it's better than ever. And I have no compulsive behaviors anymore. It's been great being Mm -hmm. able to process through Mm -hmm. these last two years. And I wish you'd done that 20 years ago. I wish I'd done it 20 years ago, but I think the culture that I was in uh, right. kept me from being able Having to Having grown that. up in a fundamentalist church in an evangelical background, there's, mm-hmm. everything is very black and white. Very black and white. And, and this process that I've been through, I just, I, I'm so grateful because I was able to process and work through things. And I think the documentary shows part of some of the things mm-hmm. that motivated such dramatic change in me. You've spent your life building this church. Mm-hmm. This church is really literally your community. Mm-hmm. And your church says... You have to leave this day. You have to go away. And in the best New Testament sense, isn't that the point at which the church should be embracing it? Well, that was especially for Gail because I deserved what I received. And so the way my view is, if people hate me, if people resent me, if people call me names, that's justice. I deserve that. If somebody's kind or gives me grace or is gentle, then that's a gift. But not true for Gail. Gail, Gail is not codependent, she's not weak, but out of her strength and her devotion, she said, I'm going to stay with him, and because of it, she lost the vast majority of her friends and the fellowship of the church. This film shows you sort of going from house to mm-hmm. house, mm-hmm. traveling around in Arizona in this U-Haul. Mm-hmm. You can't get a job. Mm-hmm. The, the, your kids, two of your kids are with you at least. Mm-hmm. In the lowest of the low times, how was it for you? Well, I was brokenhearted. I felt as though I had to walk through this with my husband, which I wanted to do, 
I loved him deeply. I love him more now and respect him more now. We're more intimate now because of, of the mm-hmm. truth and the honesty in our relationship. We're really grateful that we walk through this together. But I was brokenhearted at the loss. And I don't think the loss was representative of, of all the people in the church mm-hmm. by any means. Mm-hmm. I feel as though they didn't have the opportunity to reach out to us that I think they would have done. You still an evangelical? Oh, absolutely. Still fundamental understanding of uh, uh, New and Old Testament? I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that, that gays are sinners? I believe that for me, for me, and my understanding of the Scripture, mm-hmm. that I need to live in a heterosexual, monogamous relationship. And before I tried, I never, I never blatantly walked away from those principles. Right. I just had a compulsion within that needed to be processed with a good counselor. And since so I've been able been, to do that, I'm cured. No, because so I don't speak? think I was sick. Um, I, I don't think I was sick. I think I think all of us make decisions Isn't about that our part of, there's, there's a paradox then, then it at is. minimum. It is. Right? It is. So I'm if a mess. this is the real you. I am a mess. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm, I'm Here's so what glad I think to about. be where I think I about I on, communion, on communion Sunday. Don't they, think, don't they sing <laughs> just as I am? Isn't that without a plea? Exactly. Good that's point. right. So, if that's who you really are, why do you have to listen to man's laws as yeah. opposed to God's laws? Well, I think I am. Do you think God hates homosexuals? No, I do not. I don't. Actually, in this process, Jesus proved His faithfulness to me more than ever. You know, He said He came for the unrighteous, not for the righteous. Right. He said He would leave the ninety-nine and go for the one that wandered away. That's you. All that's good for me. <laughs> And so, so, so I don't fit into the religious, righteous crowd anymore. He really came for me. I'm the chiefest of sinners. Most important lesson through this whole two-plus year ordeal for you, Gail. Most important lesson for me, I think, is that love covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. And that when I would choose to love in the midst of my heartache, I would heal. But when I judged or when I was scrutinizing toward Ted, I would just spiral down. And I think the teachings of Jesus are forgiveness Mm -hmm. and love. And what he tells us not to do is judge. And so I think I learned the value of that. I mean, at the end of the day, Love really does does win out. And when we have each other at the end of the day, rather than separated, alone, and empty, mm. I think that's a lot to be thankful for. She says it better than you do. I'm sorry. Much better. <laughs> well, Gail's the hero of this story. Mm. I, I've, I deserved what I got and what I'm getting. But Gail is the hero of the story. Because of it, our children are fine and they're growing. We're fine. Ted, thanks. Thanks. Gail, thank, thank you very, you. very much. There's, a, there, there's definitely a problem there. This was a, the aftermath of when he was caught soliciting from a male prostitute who went public with it. That's how he was found out. First of all, he denied that he was doing it, but then the evidence was so strong. And uh, so... He finally had to admit it, and then they, the church, of course, he could no longer pastor. No, 
you need help at that point. He says he didn't think he was sick. And then when the reporter asked him if he thought homosexuality was a sin, he wouldn't say that when the Bible clearly says it's a sin. So there's something wrong with that picture, definitely. And anyway, he, he came out recently, and now he's trying to backtrack. Now he's trying to backtrack, so let's listen to this recent version of the Ted Haggard drama. Our current media will use anything they can to try to redeem themselves by selling a newspaper or getting one more person to watch them. And because of that, they want to stick to their own narrative no matter what. In 2006, I had a guy accuse me, and uh, he'd never been to church. He didn't know the difference between a church and a parachurch ministry, like Focus on the Family or New Life Church. He didn't know anything, anything about how this works. And he made all kinds of accusations. So I asked the leaders of our church to give me a lie detector test so I could respond to his accusations. They gave me four of them by three different polygraphers, some of them nationally known polygraphers that had worked for the FBI in the past. I passed all four of those tests and all four of those tests asked me 12 questions about those accusations. My accuser took one uh, lie detector test and failed it. I passed all four of my lie detector tests and nobody in the press or very few people in the press ever reported that. Nobody ever cared about it because they wanted a narrative that we preachers are bad guys. And that's what that guy that didn't know me was saying. All right. And he had a narrative. And so that became my public reputation. Now this. Yeah, I guess that became your public reputation, but. The Bible says when a man commits adultery, your reproach will not be wiped away. So the scripture says that, unfortunately, that's what happens. That's what you're remembered for. And that's just part of the price you pay. Also, there has to be some standards for leadership when you violate the trust of people and people are left devastated by the behavior of their leaders. Of course, we, we uh, have to always look to Jesus and uh, not lose our faith because somebody falls. But th then you have this guy trying to deny some of the things that were said and done at the time. And he says he took four lie detector tests. Well, they don't even admit lie detector tests in court because they're unreliable. You can't, a machine can't tell if you're lying. There's some pretty good liars out there. And so uh, what's that going to prove? But that's, that's that pride. That's that pride. I think I have one more. We've decided the Bible is the word of God. 
We don't have to have a general assembly about what we believe. It's written in the Bible. All right? So we don't have to debate about what we should think about homosexual activity. It's written in the Bible. I think I know what you did last night. <laughs> if you send me a thousand dollars, I won't tell your wife. <laughs> If you use any of this, I'll sue you. <laughs> Ted Haggard's fall from grace made national headlines. As president of the National Association of Evangelicals, he had millions of followers. But in 2006, his career as a spiritual leader ended abruptly when, he was, when it was revealed that he had had a sexual relationship with a male prostitute. You find a person of the opposite sex and you make a lifelong commitment to them. Ted Haggard seemed to be a devoted husband. He was married with five children and pastor of Colorado's New Life Church, but he was living a double life. He had a relationship with me. We had gay sex. When Mike Jones, a self-confessed male prostitute, went public with claims that Haggard had paid for sex and drugs, Haggard initially denied it. Do you know Mike Jones? No, I do not know Mike Jones. Haggard eventually admitted that some of the claims made by Jones were true. He was banished from his church. In a goodbye letter read by another pastor, Haggard made this confession. I am guilty of sexual immorality. There is a part of my life that is so repulsive and dark that I've been warring against it all of my adult life. A new HBO documentary titled The Trials of Ted Haggard chronicles the former pastor's struggles after his fall from grace. And Ted and Gail Haggard are with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, that's the saga. So now he's trying to backtrack on some of it. Doesn't make any sense. Obviously, it doesn't make any sense. You wish the guy would just be honest and tell the truth and be humble and uh, God God forgives people. Of course he does. God forgives people and, and uh, you could start all over again, but you're not going to excel in the things of God and in the kingdom of God if you keep trying to rationalize in your own mind what you did and what happened and then try to cover it up and, and, and say you passed lie detector tests when uh, someone made an accusation. I, I don't think he was referring to the male prostitute that made an accusation. There was another accusation that was made by someone in the church. But these kind of things go on in churches, there, there's a story I read today, another story I read today about a pastor that was molesting the women in the church, and it was going on for years upon years, and, and uh, I don't know, and some of the women were consenting, so why they would do that and not report the person and save other people from what these men do It's, it's a very dangerous place to be in these positions where people put the uh, pastor on a pedestal and most of them like being up there on that pedestal. And 
they like the fact of uh, everybody looking up to them and and they can control the audience and they control control the dialogue and they can control the money and they start to like that control but that's not the way Jesus set things up <laughs> he's the head of the church and uh there's actually no scripture in the Bible that says you have to go to church every Sunday. And then you go, you, go to, you go to a building and you sit down and then there's one person that teaches you the Bible. And what that one person teaches you about the Bible is 100% accurate. Well, it's not so because you have these wicked, evil people in pulpits today. <laughs> so that's why the Bible says that you have to be a Berean and you have to search the scriptures for yourself to see if those things are true. And that's the way it has to be. It's fine to go to a building if, you, if that's where, where you want to go and you want to go there every Sunday and you like the pastor's preaching, but check it out with the word of God because he might not be telling you the truth. He might be telling you something so he can manipulate you. Or maybe he doesn't know himself. Because you have thousands upon thousands of pe people teaching you every Sunday that you have to tithe money to them. To them. And that's not true. So that's not, that's not the only thing that people teach that pastors teach that uh, is wrong. But then uh, we need to be responsible to the Lord and to study to show ourselves approved that we don't become dependent on human beings to feed us the word of God. There comes a time when we have to grow up in the things of God and be adults in the faith, amen? Because we, we were all babies in the faith, and the Bible talks about that. But then there's a time when you have to grow up. <laughs> and, and you can't have pastoritis because you'll get hurt. <laughs> you'll get hurt because that idol will fall off. <laughs> they'll, they'll fall off their platform. And, and most of them are up on platforms. They're on a stage. And some of them are great actors, too. They're great actors. But I also wanted to mention that before we close, and we're getting ready to close the program here, but you can have friends that have differing opinions. And I do. I have friends that we, have, we differ in some of the things that uh, we believe. And that's okay because I don't know everything and maybe my friends don't know everything, but I don't, I don't just discard my friends because they don't believe like I do. But just because somebody believes something doesn't mean I believe it. What, if I have a friend that believes something that I don't believe that's what they believe, but it's not necessarily what I believe because they're my friend. So I just wanted to say that 
we're all learning and we can all learn from each other. We don't know everything. The Bible does say we, we see through a glass darkly. I'm not for, we, we did the program last week. We, we, um, I played the interview that I did with Steve Lumley quite a few years ago about the whole Nephilim Book of Enoch, which I believe is an occult book. I don't think we should use it to reference things <laughs> and use the references as if they were biblical truths. And I don't believe in angels having children with women. It's impossible. Angels are spirits. There's no marriage in heaven. Angels don't come to earth and and get blood in their veins and all of a sudden they're They've got blood coursing through their veins, and then they, they can go out and create. The devil's not a creator, and God never created angels to marry and to have children. So th that whole thing is a big distraction. It's very disturbing uh, how far people will go with this thing, but I don't want to be associated with that, those teachings, so that's my stand on it. Anyway, but the uh, most important thing today is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and be your Lord? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with, the for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it's the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life is to ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. You say, well, I, I'm not ready. I'm, I have this in my life and I have that in my life. Well, God can take all those things out of your life once you make a commitment, and he can give you a brand new life. No matter what sin you have committed, Jesus can forgive you, and you can have a new life today. It's a decision you'll never regret. God bless you. Yeah.
Be his. 